Hello, podcast world. How are y'all out there today? Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of FNO InsureTech. Hi, Lee. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. What a what a weird day. This is a little weird. So we're starting off uh, without Rob Beller. This is the first podcast that Rob Beller has not been on. This is the first time you and I have uh, tackled one of these solo. So I know. I think he was fairly nervous. He he uh, he called us both a couple of times uh, to make sure we could do it, and we assured him that we would do our best in uh, in 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 his absence. But uh, Rob Beller, uh, we know that you're listening to this. We're thinking about you. We're thinking about you. We miss you, and we can't wait to get you back. Well, Matt, we have a great episode today. We do. I'm excited. Yeah, we have Sean. Harper, co-founder and CEO of Kin Insurance. I've been looking forward to this. I think this is going to be a uh, great talk. You know, they're in a new up and coming segment of the insurance tech world. Yeah. Is, uh, these new insurance tech startups that uh, are in the insurance space. We've had a few on our show, so this one ought to be interesting. Yeah, I'm very excited to, to talk to Sean, learn about what he and his team are doing over there. Uh, Sean has an interest in history. Uh, with uh, with startups and, and entrepreneurship. Uh, they're also doing something a little interesting. Uh, they are really focusing on, on writing policies in cat-prone areas. I think that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. That's not typically what you see with any insurance carrier, but they seem like they've highlighted that and focused on some of the toughest areas in the market. So it's going to be interesting to see what his perspective is on that and, and ask a few questions. Yeah, I'm very excited. So... In the words of my friend Rob Beller, without further ado, uh, we present to you uh, the FNO InsureTech podcast with Sean Harper, co-founder and CEO of Kin Insurance. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to uh, FNO InsureTech. We are excited today to have Sean Harper with us, co-founder and CEO of Kin Insurance. Welcome. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are very excited to have you. Uh, so, so tell us, where are uh, you calling us today from? I'm calling from uh, snowy Chicago today. Chicago. What is what is the temperature there? It is uh, 20 degrees, and there's about an inch and a half of snow on the ground, which is, is unusual for us this time of year. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. We just had a cold front blow in here, and it went from, oh, I, I want to say upper 60s down to about 40 in about 10 minutes. I guess I guess we're getting that same. But, you know, we don't get any snow here. Very rarely. What, what is it What is it like like with, with all of the snow up in, in Chicago? Is that a good thing, a bad thing? How often do, do, do y'all actually get snow? It's, you know, it's pretty consistently snowy on the ground uh, late December through March, probably. Maybe one day I'll have to make a trip up to to uh, Chicago in the winter and see it. Yeah, not a lot of people like to come in the summer, not so many in the winter. Yeah, I'll take the summer trip and you can do the winter side of that, Lee. So I, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> well, Sean, we're excited to have you on today and we're excited to learn about Kin Insurance and uh, wanted to see if you could spend a little bit of time here uh, telling us uh, about Kin and, and, and what is it? For sure. Kin is a technology company that operates an insurance carrier, and we provide property insurance, mainly homeowners, condo and mobile home, 
flood insurance in catastrophe exposed geographies. So we've historically been uh, really focused on the Southeast and uh, we're expanding outside of the Southeast to places that are wildfire impacted, uh, which are mainly in the West. So that's really interesting. So y'all are going into areas that are prone to catastrophes. Why? <laughs> I know. <It> sounds crazy, <laughs> doesn't it? It does. So, so as as entrepreneurs, and and we have a lot of insurance expertise on our team that we've added, but the core of our team we're really tech and financial tech entrepreneurs. And what got us excited about building Kin was the ability to serve customers that are underserved. And it is it is hard, and it's a much bigger part of your life to get insurance for your home in places that are catastrophe exposed. So, you know, we, we really get fired up about the idea of providing something that customers might not be able to get otherwise. Wow. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And even the approach that you just took in explaining your company, that you're a technology company and, right. and not necessarily an insurance company first, I think that, that tells us you're different in this space. Yeah. And it, it sounds as though y'all have some background. You're, you're calling yourself on, on entrepreneurs, like it's been done before. Why don't you take a little bit of time and tell us about your past? Where have have you come from to now? Yeah, um, Lucas, my co-founder, and I have pretty similar pasts. We were both super nerdy kids growing up uh, into video games, into computer programming, and we learned to program at a young age. After college, we both went to work for big consulting companies. So I worked for the Boston Consulting Group and Lucas worked for Accenture. And really, our we each started our first business coming out of, of consulting. And then one of the great things about consulting as a place to start your career is you get to see a lot of different things. You get to sort of zoom in to these big businesses and see the things they do well and see the things that they don't do well. And it tends to generate a lot of ideas for entrepreneurship. So coming, coming out of BCG, I started my first company was a physical products e-commerce company. And then my second company was a payment processor. That really gave me a passion, that experience, I loved it. And it gave me a passion for doing other financial products. The financial products are a huge part of day-to-day of -day life now. And they are an area that I think a lot of customers um, are dissatisfied with because they're so complicated and because they're so expensive. Yeah, this is stuff that you need. You know, everybody needs retirement accounts. Everybody needs insurance for their home. Right. Every business needs to be able to accept credit cards, which is what my last business did. So I had the good fortune of being able to sell my last business, the payment processor, to a much bigger company and spend a couple of years, you know, sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next before, before I came on the idea for Ken. And Lucas was similar. Or his first company was a hedge fund analytics software company that's now part of NASDAQ. But it's like it's like four acquisitions later, and um, and then his his next company was a was also payment related. It was a fraud detection company uh, that they sold to banks and other um, you know payment processing networks that could help figure out earlier than other methods when a credit card had been stolen or used in a in, in an uh, unauthorized way. So so we we really liked one thing that really draws us to doing financial products is that as techie guys, it's pretty cool that financial products are done entirely on the computer. Huh. Like it, it is it is a virtual good. When I sell an insurance policy, I'm not selling a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're ingesting data and making a decision and generating a contract and moving some data around and moving some money around. And by the way, money is just another kind of data. 
Yeah, it's very true. You know, so I'm listening to the story here and I'm I'm seeing that you have a background here in the financial side, uh, financial payment and things like that. Lucas has a background, maybe doing some fraud detection. It seems as though y'all can use both of those together in Ken Insurance. It seems like y'all could really uh, leverage everything you know to make it the best product possible. Am I right with my thought? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that drew us to insurance is that for a variety of historical reasons, it is a little bit behind in the adoption of new technologies behind other industries that are pretty similar. Right. For example, stock trading, for example, payments, for example, banking. Right. Yeah, those those industries I think caught the tech bug a little bit earlier. Now, and tech is hitting insurance really hard right now, and it's it's become an area of, of interest that everyone's paying attention to, and that's super exciting for the industry. Yeah, a little bit later to it. Right. And and that was what one of the things we thought was really cool is we could use the skill set that we had in just a slightly different domain and uh, have a big impact. Yeah, and it sounds like you've been able to do that. Uh, so, how long has Kin? been around. We started Ken about three and a half years ago. Okay. Hold on. I'm dying to know. Tell me about the name. Where did Ken come from? You know, how did, how did that come about? Cause I'm always interested in startups and how they name their company. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a cool story actually. You know, we were looking for a few things in a name. We wanted a name that everybody could spell and say, we wanted a name where we could get the .com. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty important. It is. Absolutely. We wanted a name that stood for the right things that had a good connotation with the business that we're in. Kim meets those criteria really well. You know, it's a, it's a three letter word. It's a dictionary word. We were able to get the .com without completely paying a crazy amount of money for it. <laughs> um, and, and, and it means family and, and who would you rather have insuring your home than, than your family? And I, it, we take that really seriously inside the company. You know, we, we do consider our users to be a family of sorts. And, and I, think it, I think it shows through. If you look at our online reviews, for example, people have a great experience with Ken. And uh, maybe they don't think of themselves as part of our family, but, but we definitely do. Uh, and, and I think it has a really good connotation of safety and you know, love and affiliation. I love that. I really do. I think that's neat, especially whenever you think about it that way, you know, just like a family. You know, I went online and I logged in and, well, I, I put in my address and it, it leads me to this question. What are you doing that's different than other companies out there, right? I understand you're going into these catastrophe prone areas and selling insurance to people who may not be able to, or it's difficult to get insurance. Uh, on the technology side, since you say you're a technology company, what are you doing to make the buying of the policies easier or more uh, efficient? Yeah, so buying buying the policy in an easier way is part of what we're doing. It's not all of it. It's not even most of it. Okay. Really, at the center of what we're doing is at the in the middle of every big insurance company, of any insurance company of any size, is software. They run on this policy administration system or core processing system or whatever they call it. And one thing we learned early on is if you go to any existing insurance company, you'll run into all of these super smart people, you know, actuaries, claims guys, data scientists, and almost all of them, their biggest complaint is that the IT at the existing company that they work at can't do what they want it to do. I've got this cool idea I came up with three years ago to segment pricing differently. And I wrote the spec to get it programmed. And here it is three years later, and we haven't been able to get it done. Like that's that's a story you'll hear everywhere. And, and so one thing that we have is we have built our own technology that does like the guts, like the runs the core of the insurance company. 
and it's built from scratch. It's built on modern software. It allows us to move much faster than our competition. And it also makes our really smart actuaries and claims guys and product guys really happy because it can do whatever cool ideas they have, you know, without making them wait years for it. So that's, that's a really big part of it. Another thing that we do is we're, and this leverages the, the core tech, is that we're a, a very aggressive ingester and user of third-party data sources. So in homeowners insurance and property insurance, historically, it was really dependent on data that was gathered from the user or from an insurance agent. And the reality is those guys don't know everything about the building. And the other tricky thing is that even if they did know everything about the building, getting that information from them is really hard because no one likes filling out forms. Right. Sure. So you might have a hundred question form, but no one's going to fill out all hundred. They're going to fill out five and maybe guess the other ones or just choose the default value. And so we use a bunch of, and you know, just the world, the way it is right now, everything is tracked, everything is monitored. There's data about everything for good or bad. And we're able to pull that in and really know more about the building and the person who lives there than the person who lives there. And, and that allows us to make really good risk decisions, to have really segmented pricing. And, and to be a really, really, really good deal for the for the risks that we want. Because first of all, we have a lower cost structure because we have the benefit of this tech platform that we built from scratch that's nimble and low cost. But then also we have a nuanced view of the risk that allows us to provide a really, really good deal to the risks that we think are, you know, mispriced or, uh, you know, where, where they're safer than, than the market perceives them to be. Yeah, and I think you hit it um, right on the head there whenever you talked about data. Well, we've had a lot of podcasts where people talk about data and the importance of data and using it. And it sounds like y'all are able to get information that even just like you said, that the property owner may not know. So I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here you're getting data from past owners, perhaps uh, past weather events, historical things like that. Everything you would need to accurately underwrite the property. Am I, am I right in my thought? Absolutely. There's a lot of data out there. It comes from government sources. It comes, there's a lot of data about the weather. There's a lot of data that can be extracted from aerial and satellite and street level imagery. Mm -hmm. All these pictures of homes and how they've changed over time. Um, there's also a lot of data, as you pointed out, that's coming off of the real estate industry. As increasingly homes are listed and sold uh, online, you can pull the data out of the MLS and the other listing sites. There's just a lot of richness there. You know, if you look at a typical MLS listing, it has all the stats of the house, but it also has interior pictures of the whole house. Right, cool. right. I was on Zillow this morning uh, for some reason, and I uh, thought about uh, what does it take to actually connect uh, an API to Zillow? And I found it, and you can find uh, photos, you can find all the information, because me as a homeowner, I go on Zillow and I update my information to say, oh, I actually have five rooms, not four, or uh, one, two baths, not one. Uh, so I keep it as up to date as I can. But then I didn't know you could pull the photos. And imagine being an underwriter, being able to say, hey, I have not only the information, I have historics, and I also have photos. That's, that's a really good underwriting report. Absolutely, it is. Totally. Yeah, and the underwriting has always been a challenge. And, right. and frankly, the underwriting inspections, even uh, as we see them now, traditionally are not very good, right? Right, People yeah. checking boxes and stuff like that. So using the data that's been stored there for 10, 15, 20 years is, is great. It's creative. It's out of the box. It's it's sustainable. So It really is. Well, what about what about the use of IoT? Uh, what do you do with with that data? What do you what do you plan to do with it as IoT becomes more and more popular in the home? 
we're we're working on figuring that out. Um, long term, we're very bullish on impact mm-hmm. of IoT within the home. There are so many more devices that are connected that can tell you about the home, and even more importantly, actually stop bad things from happening. Identify a problem and, right. and stop it. Like some of the the smart water sensors that actually have a, the ability to shut the water uh, off to the home. That's pretty cool, given how much of our claims are water-related. But it is early days. Mm-hmm. You know, the devices are still pretty expensive. And I think it'll have a real impact, a much bigger impact, when the devices come down in cost, uh, probably around to half of where they are right now. The math of it isn't isn't quite where it needs to be. Yeah, that makes sense. So are, are y'all currently working with any IoT developers to package um, integrations, yeah, anything integrations like that? Or, or sales or anything like that with them? Yeah, well, we've run some some tests and experiments. And we also do ingest data. If there are IoT devices installed in the home, we can take advantage of the data coming off of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, there just aren't that many. Yeah. You know, the early adopters have this stuff in their home, but there, you know, there aren't that many early adopters. <laughs> right. And so what we're really excited about is exactly what you said, where we can actually facilitate the placement of the hardware. Um, It's a little bit tricky to make the business model work because the hardware is still a bit expensive. We have talked to quite a few companies who are in the IoT world or on the insurance side working with IoT devices. uh, And and they always say the hardest part is getting them installed. Uh, They can take the data, they can can stop claims, but until the insured actually, uh, you know, installs the device, it does no good. What is your experience with the actual homeowners installing these devices? Yeah, that's that's a they hit the nail on the head. You know, I'll you just use an example without naming names. We had one device that is a couple hundred bucks that really has a huge impact on claims and is just a cool, cool device. But it needs to be professionally installed. It's not something that the homeowner can install on his own. Right. And that actually not only more than doubles the cost, but it's also this whole other thing. You know, one of the things that our customers are really looking for is convenience. And I think that's true of insurance in general. I mean, why do people switch insurance? It's a lot of the times for, for home insurance, which is, is what we do, it's because they're buying a new home. And there are so many things to think of already. And they want it to be simple. And they just, you know, they, they don't care if it's optimal. They just, you know, I'm closing on this house next week. I need insurance for it. I just want to know that I'm getting a good deal. I have the right coverages and, and that I have the insurance that's necessary to close. That's a really tough time to be trying to explain to somebody something new. Oh, hey, we've got this new sensor and I'm going to need you to be there because I'm going to send some guy over to install it. And just like, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to get the user to engage in that. It's a huge, it's a huge problem. Yeah. And I've, I've been given uh, a few you know iot devices myself and i think oh these are going to be awesome you know i've installed most of them and i i'm a data guy i like to see them uh, but there's there's still one sitting on my shelf i haven't installed yet it looks a little complicated and it's just you know it's kind of hard when you go to a conference and you pick up all the new cool stuff and then great i've got 10 new devices to right install. i don't have any weekends <laughs> i know i came back from insured tech with five or six different devices and you know i only have so many doors to put them on but but i like them they, they are good but i do find it's difficult sometimes to actually do it right i come back from the conference and say oh okay i'll open the box but uh, the data i get out of them is so good and i can only imagine that once that happens you'll be able to really uh, work with the, the policyholders. That leads me into um, another question I had. Tell us about your claims department. You know, what does what does that look like in the in the uh, world of 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 kin? 
it's evolved a little bit. Um, you know, in the early days, we were just just getting started, and we outsourced our claims entirely to a third-party administrator and really sort of pitched it over the wall to them, and they did a fine job. Uh, but it, it wasn't very tech forward and we didn't have a, as much control over the user experience or over you know the, how the claim was settled. And so around the time that we, it was actually about a year ago, we decided to build our own claims department. And so we went out and we hired a really experienced claims guy who had been running property claims for, you know, one sort of mid-sized carrier. And, and we set him about, you know, building up a, a claims team. Now we still rely a lot on outside parties, but it's, it's all with our tech wrapped around it and through our own claim system. And ultimately we're the one making the decision and we can decide, you know, sort of how, how to settle it to make the user the most happy, which is, is really important. You know, even we, one thing we found was in claims, a lot of the claims guys have the same frustration where they'd love to do something a little bit differently, you know, with the collecting mm -hmm. data or communicating with the customer, but the tech that they're running on just doesn't allow it. And so we've been able to give Travis, who runs our claims department, you know, really exactly the tech that he needs to make the make everything work exactly the way he wants. And I, I think he has has a lot of fun with that. So whenever I think of a insured tech company, right, I I think about straight through processing. I see companies out there trying to use the data that they already have, and uh, and then claims being filed to try to settle claims. Uh, a lot of times over the desk or even without a, a claim rep, right? Using systems. Is that something you're trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our our claims tend to be pretty big, uh, you know, because it's, it's for the most part, it's something that happened to to a building. It's usually weather related. Right. We don't, we don't try to do that with a bot, for example. Okay. What we can do is use tech to get all the information in the right place. You know, both the information that we use to write the policy, all the underwriting data to support it, and then any information that we're able to gather either from, you know, folks who we sent to gather information or from the user himself. And, and that just makes our desk adjusting really, really efficient. Now, maybe in the future, we'll be using AI and stuff like that. But for us right now, it's really a matter of getting the right data in the right place so a human can make an efficient decision. So your model is to go in and write policies in cat pro and areas. That must be hard on the claim side. Right, because you're you might go a little while with just some some regular dailies, uh, but then all of a sudden Florida gets hit and claims spike really high. Uh, what do you do to 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 prepare for that? A bunch of things. Um, one thing we can do is we can use tech to be more efficient at triaging out the claims. You know, for example, it turns out text message is an amazing way to get data about the what shape the users are in. So for in the really really early days when Hurricane Irma hit us. We actually were texting the, we built this thing on the fly where we would text the user as the storm went over and ask them how they were. And a lot of them were like, Hey, I'm fine, which is great. Now I know I'm not going to need to send somebody there. So I have a, I have a really good picture of it within really hours of the storm going over. But then some of them would tell us, Hey, I've got some damage. And we say, okay, cool. Like what, what kind of damage? Like take a picture of it for us. And so we're already starting to build the file, just using new tech. And I think a lot of our competitors in the market 
don't do that. And they're actually the first time they're trying to, the first, the first little bit of data they get is a week later, two weeks later, when an adjuster finally makes it out to the home. So that triage is really important to us. And it's something that plays to our strengths as a tech company that has a direct relationship with our customers. It's not through a broker or anything. Another thing that we can do, you know, we, we actually have our, because, because we don't sell through brokers or through agents, we have a really big staff of customer service people and they now they, they can't adjust claims, but they can do things like take first notice of loss they can do clerical work to help the claims adjuster. Yeah. They can go and research, uh, you know, and, and give the information to the claims adjuster. And, and we can just put all those people to work because you know what? It's the day after a hurricane. They're not selling policies. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's really neat. And I think uh, you, you kind of hit it hit it there on the head again about using uh, your staff when when needed. And it sounds like, like you were saying, it, it is a pretty large staff of, of customer service folks. Is that right? Yeah, we're we're about 100 people in total. Okay. And about half of them are customer service. Wow. That's a big focus on customer service. That is. And as we know uh, from being in the claims uh, industry and on, the, and on the catastrophe side, you know, customer communication is the is what wins the war. And, uh, you know, if you have good customer communication and can stay in touch, and I think the text messaging is obviously uh, super innovative, especially at the time of the event, I, I think, you know, if that, you know, that keeps you in good standing with that customer and it makes a good for a good customer experience, even if it is a bad loss. Right. right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Communication is key. They, they know they can't necessarily get the home fixed faster than it's possible, but they at least would like to know when the adjuster is going to be there, for example. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest challenge as we sit in a traditional, you know, in, insurance model with companies is that communication package, and then even the relaying of information back and forth with systems is just not quite there yet on the really traditional carrier side. It's getting yeah. a lot better day to you know day to day, but it's uh, it certainly has had its challenges over the years. So yeah, and and just like John was saying, they you know they have the ability to go in under under new tech that they have uh, created, and they they have that that. Uh, availability to to change with the times yeah, a proprietary system is great you can right you know you can see a problem and fix it quickly and you're not in a in a software box as, as you might say yeah so actually that's an interesting question for you guys you know one of our hypotheses is that when we do need to make use of outside adjusters they'll really like the fact that our platform is so streamlined we might be able to get some uh you know preferential uh, relationships with them just because they know they'll be more efficient using our system than uh, yeah. the other systems that aren't as easy to use. You're right. E ease of use is super important to the uh, adjusting force. Uh, so, yeah. And I mean, we uh, we house a lot of data on the claim side. And mm -hmm. I would say, and we have this conversation all the time in here, is we are only getting X amount or what we can through the systems. And, um, you know, to, to have something proprietary where you can actually um, you know, build those links to, to move that data back and right. forth uh, and then have the ability to talk to the customer and text the customer is always another big thing that, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, able to do or, or the carrier will let us do. So. Right. Right. And, you know, Sean, it sounds like y'all are uh, at an advantage when it comes time for insured tech, uh, because a lot of times these insured tech companies, let it be a a new uh, text messaging system or video collaboration system or uh, even a new API for underwriting. Uh, in a traditional system, it can be very difficult uh, to, to, to plug and play, right? But <laughs> it sounds like in, in y'all's world that you're able to really uh, connect to these uh, new softwares and then move them right in, into your workflow. 
Yeah, it's that's that is a, a good observation. You know, we we've built most of our tech rather than than, buy, than buying it or partnering. Um, you know, because we we think that ultimately, at the end of the day, an insurance company really is a software company. Okay. Yeah. You don't own your tech. What what do you own? Um, but in the cases where we do partner with somebody, you know, for for a, a new data source, for example, um, they really like working with us because we can actually get it done really fast. And one of their big frustrations is the legacy carrier adoption cycle can be really long. Yes, it's a it's a long, sometimes frustrating model, and uh, we understand why it's that way. But it still doesn't sure. make it any easier. Uh, but that that's definitely something different in. Uh, intriguing about you guys. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, you know, we don't, and we, we really respect our peers who have been around a lot longer than us. And, and we think we're pretty smart, but also we realize that a big part of our advantage comes from the fact that we're operating on a clean sheet of paper. And it's, it's only natural that if you've been in business for 70 years, 50 years, 40 years, that stuff builds up, right. And, and you, you now do stuff as a business that that is uh, maybe not the most efficient, but it's it's hard to get off of it because it's how you've always done it, and and you might need to really uh, you almost start over in in order to do it the way that you really want. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one. So I, I have a question. Being a co-founder, are you where you wanted to be today? I mean, when you sat down and got this started from day one, are you are you on track? Are you ahead of it? What is what does it look like from your eyes? This has gone faster and bigger than anything that I've been involved in before. That's great. That's great. <laughs> it's really exciting. It's also kind of scary sometimes. <laughs> well, what, what do you look like in five, 10 years down the road? Where, where are you going? You know, what's the dream here? Well, um, that, yeah. So we, we think we'll be doing more or less the same stuff that we're doing. We want to, it's really important to us that we keep our systems efficient and that we don't allow ourselves to build up that kind of technical debt over time. Um, so we're really careful about not biting off more than we can chew. You know, for example, I'll, a question we get really often, especially from investors and stuff is, well, how many states are you going to be in? Sure. And we really prefer to focus on a smaller number of large states because there's a, there's a huge amount of complexity that comes with each state. And some of the states are actually pretty small and maybe not that big of a business opportunity. So five years from now, uh, I don't, I don't think that we'll be in every state. I think we'll be in, in certainly more states than we are right now. I know we'll be doing more lines of insurance. It's something we're, we're really actively rolling out. For example, that's great. we launched a mobile home product or manufactured home product that we're really excited about. Great. And, uh, and I think like, you know, cool thing that we figured out right now is we have a recipe that works. And so now it's a matter of doing that over and over and over again, as many times as we can. Replication. Yes. So and scaling, which is not easy either, you know, to, to, to double the size or triple the size of a company is, is, is hard. Well, I've got kind of one final question that it, it's intriguing with, with, you know, you and Lucas both, you know, what single biggest advice would you give someone who's interested in creating a startup? You guys both seem very entrepreneurial and stuff. What, what would you give just a general listener for taking off on a new company like this? I think that build build something that you can get in front of users as quickly as you can. Sure. Don't let the don't let don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You know, we we launched Kin in a really it was rough. <laughs> you know, it was very different than what we are right now. You know, the, the when, when we first launched Kin, it actually wasn't called Kin. It had another name because we hadn't thought we hadn't thought of the name yet, so we just chose a placeholder name. When we launched it, we weren't a carrier. 
like we are now. We weren't even an MGA. We were actually just a little bit of technology wrapped around a retail brokerage. And we knew that wasn't what we were aiming for, but what we wanted to do is get something built that we could get in front of users and start learning. Because there's a big difference between asking somebody, like like surveying them, or actually getting their money from them. Like people will tell you, yeah. you could survey them and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I would totally get that. But <laughs> but they might be lying or just being nice to you. Uh, but if you ask them for real money that or ask them to let you insure their home, then you learn what they really care about. Well, Sean, we just really appreciate you being on today um, and just, you know, opening up the, the the door to Ken and letting us get to know you and the company uh, a little bit better. We, we really thank you. Thank you. It was a really fun conversation. I, I appreciate you having me on. You betcha. Well, uh, we will be talking to, to you soon and uh, we hope to see you at maybe the next uh, InsureTech uh, convention out there. Likewise. Wow, that was a... That was a great listen. I really like that. That was one. a good one. Yeah. I have to say. Going into Ken, I had heard about him and I, I had read about him and I'd seen him around, but really just getting to visit with Sean uh, and learn about what he and Lucas have done there. Uh, it's a very, very interesting model. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he referred to himself as a as a tech company. Yeah, I thought that was uh, the first big uh, glaring kind of red flag is that I'm not an insurance company. I'm a technology that does right. insurance. And I thought that's... Uh, speaks to speaks to their mission and motto right yeah that 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 mission of really uh build our own right they have a mindset of of that we can we can build it we can stay nimble as long as we uh, control the technology we can move with the times and they were talking about um using text messaging uh even in their underwriting world uh being able to connect to to government websites whether uh, you know, real estate even. It's just, it's interesting. It's interesting whenever you build your foundation on a nimble technology uh, like they've done, you know, really the the, the sky's the, the limit there. Yeah, and it seems like uh, Sean and, and Lucas are really um, have driven uh, these companies they've been with, especially started to the problems that exist within certain segments. And right. I don't think they're doing anything different here with Ken. They they saw no. problems and an opportunity to to come in and solve those problems and and certainly attacking the catastrophe areas and some of the biggest state we know that that have yeah. the most risk is a very interesting model, to say the least. So Yeah, when when he said that, I thought that was interesting that uh, that they saw they saw that they need, needed to go there first. It's difficult and it's hard. You know, there's going to be losses. Uh, but then I thought, what what work there has to be behind the scenes to appropriately price the products, uh, to appropriately underwrite the products, to know, um, hey, they do have a new roof. They do have this. They are prepared. Uh, Hurricane-proof shingles or, or hail-resistant shingles and siding. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Sure, and I think that's where some of these companies like them when they're not necessarily based with insurance guys, they take off their insurance goggles and look at the entirety of the problem. And, yeah. and obviously they're doing it in a technology way and going to get out, getting all these different sources of data that we know exist out there and really, you know, building a system that takes in that consideration. I just, I think it's, I think it's next gen. I think it's certainly where our industry is going and has to go to right. prepare themselves and underwrite better and, and price the product better in the market. Well, and they've, they've learned a lot from their past uh, lives. They've been entrepreneurs for a long time. Uh, they've gone down quite uh, a road of, of different positions and selling off of companies. Like these guys know what they're doing and they seem very passionate about it. 
uh, you know, off air, we talked a little bit about their culture at work. Uh, they seem to hire great people, people who really care. They, uh, they, they have core values, uh, that are really strong and they make people passionate and excited, uh, to come to work. You know, it, they just sound like they're, like they're doing it right. Yeah. I mean, you could tell by the interview that, uh, Sean really has a passion for it. Their videos we looked at before, uh, were really different. Their website, we didn't talk about that, but yeah. their website is very basic, straightforward. It explains the policy in great detail mm -hmm. that anybody can go to and say, this is what my insurance policy reads and how it interprets. I, I just think they, they've got a great foundation going. I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I do too. Well, big shout out to uh, to Sean for being on today. I really appreciate him uh, telling us all about Ken Insurance, and uh, we look forward to uh, where they're going to go. You know, and uh, we want to thank you, our, our listeners, for for tuning in. And like always, we um, you know, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can always go to fnoinsuretech.com. We want to give Jamie a shout out uh, for. Uh, you know, writing us and letting us know how much he enjoys the the podcast. So, Jamie, uh, you know who you are. Thank uh, you, Jamie. Thank you so much, and uh, we want to hear from all of you. So, uh, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, if you you have ideas on ways we can be better, uh, if you enjoy a good listen, uh, whatever you need, just let us know. But we want to thank you all for for tuning in, and until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>